0: well good morning everyone thank you for being here to worship with us today we uh, find ourselves in the second to last week of our summer series called a shared gospel and uh, we're looking at some friends and ministry partners of the apostle paul today we're going to look at the life of a guy named luke and so we'll get there in a little bit i got a few things to mention to you before we get into our text uh this morning um first of all couple things we've been doing all summer. Um, One is walking through our discipleship pathway. Um, Through the month of July, we've been talking about a different aspect of what we call our discipleship pathway. This is a set of five things, worship, connect, give, serve, and go. And again, we've just said, if our call is to make disciples and to help you be better followers of Jesus, um, which is what we believe we are called to do, then uh, this is simply five things that if you will sort of just walk in, do, practice these things on a regular basis... We believe you'll be better positioned um, to just be a f- disciple, to be a deeper, better follower of Christ. And so um, we've been talking about a different one each week. I'm going to end by just kind of highlighting the word go. Um, go, of course, just means that you're willing to take what it is that God has done in your heart and in your life, uh, the gifts, talents, abilities God has given you, and be willing to, uh, to take those and be a blessing and minister and serve and love and share with, with other people. Now, maybe that means go across the street and love your neighbor. Go to a coworker, a friend, a family member. Maybe God would open a door for you and give you an opportunity to go uh, around the world um, and take uh, what, again, God has given you to somewhere uh, far away. We had a team recently just got back from uh, Guatemala. I think they just got back this week from Guatemala. We took a medical uh, team there, and they, man, they just loved on the people in Guatemala and shared Jesus with them. And, and, um, and so if you, maybe uh, God kind of stirs your heart for, for something like that uh, as a church, we take... Um, trips to different places uh, periodically and if you're interested or have questions about one of those trips that we might take um, you can reach out to our missions pastor Jonah and he'd be happy to share with you talk with you about trips we might have coming up but I think it is uh, really shows Christian and spiritual maturity when we get to places in our life when um, discipleship is, is not just about it's not just about us but it's about how can I bless other people and and so that's what go is, is really all about. And again, I would encourage you to make that a part of your, your spiritual journey. Also, this summer we've been highlighting teams in our church that help us do the work of ministry and be the church God has called us to be. And so essentially that's what the summer series is about. You know, we talk a lot about Paul. Um, Paul, uh, again, kind of the, the, the figure we're most familiar with as a as a missionary church planter, but But again, Paul never traveled or did anything on his own. That's what this this series, The Summer, has been all about. Um, In much the same way, that's that's the way it works in the church. You know, there are uh, some of us that you'll see week in and week out on the stage, but there are countless other people and other teams that help us do the work of the church and make it possible for us to even do what we do. It is not an individual endeavor. It is very much a community, a group endeavor. So we've been trying to highlight some different teams that just help us and this morning i wanted to specifically highlight three teams uh, our medical team and our safety team and our parking team all right these are three teams that are uh, smaller but um, man they are they are so important to what we do and so our medical team is some doctors and nurses that are a part of our church that have said look if there's a medical emergency of some sort i'm here i'm on call i'm ready to go Uh, we've had that happen occasionally in a church our size if there's some sort of a medical emergency It's good to know we've got some people that are ready to jump into action and and make that happen. Uh, We've got a safety team that helps provide like an extra set of eyes uh, in addition to our officers that just help make sure, again, that that things are as they should be and they're always on the lookout and watch for certain things and they know who to report to. And so it just helps us be safe, all of our environments from our kids and our students that are also meeting. And then our parking team, uh, you see these guys, a lot of them are wearing the really bright yellow shirts out in the parking lot when you arrive. Um... And I don't know if y'all have noticed or not, but this summer it's been a little hot, just a a smidge uh, hot. And they're out there uh, week in and week out during all the services. Uh, When it's really cold during the two weeks of winter we get here in Texas, uh, they're out there, you know, rain or shine. And so we're just really grateful for them that helped bring a little order to our parking lot, which otherwise could just be a mess. And so can we give a hand to these three teams, our safety, our medical and our parking team this morning? grateful for those that serve in that way and then finally uh, the last thing I wanted to go ahead and just mention to you is that it's hard to believe August is is already here like tomorrow I think I think tomorrow is August so in the next few weeks here at the Vista what always happens during August during the start of a new semester is we see a lot of additional people that that come to our church college students um, all get back from their summer break Uh, A lot of our families that have been out uh, through the summer get back, and the start of a new semester every year, we just see a lot of of people, which is awesome, and we love that. It does bring some challenges. It gets a little more crowded, Um, and so I just wanted to go ahead and mention that, number one, so you'll be aware of that. You'll kind of know, hey, over the next several weeks, uh, it could be harder to find a parking spot, harder to find a place to sit, all of those things. There are some ways you can help us. First of all, over the next few weeks, if you could remember, when you arrive at church, if you happen to be um, earlier, finding uh, a spot more in the middle of the aisles can be helpful. Sometimes people walk in and if the, uh, the outside uh, seats are all taken, it's kind of awkward. They feel awkward crawling over people or finding spots in the middle. So you can help us by kind of scooting to the middle. Um, if you feel a little crammed in this service, um, we typically have a little bit more room in our last, in our 1130 service. So um, if you could work that out in your schedule to attend the 1130 and you need a little bit more elbow room, usually that's the service that has a little bit more space um, when the first two begin to get really tight. And then finally, parking. Um, Parking can just be a nightmare, right? And so even with parking, there's some ways you can help. Um, A Plus, for example, the owners of A Plus, they are members here and they have graciously said we can use their parking lot, which we utilize every Sunday. Um, In addition, we own the field to the west of the building over here. And I noticed we have a lot of trucks and SUVs that, uh, you know, that you drive. And so, just throwing it out there, the grass over there is already dead anyway, right? So (laughs) if you want to park in that field, you're welcome to kind of hop that curb um, off the road and and, and park in that field. Um, And I know it seems like maybe a small thing, but like during a time of year when we experience a lot of new people that are first-time guests at Vista, it's really a simple way you could serve by just being willing to say, I'll, I'll, I may drop the family off, but I can park farther away so that some guests or first-time members could maybe uh, find a closer spot. And so it's a small thing, but I think it can really be a big help, um, helping people feel loved, welcomed, and wanted when we have a place for them and their vehicle um, here at the church. And so just throwing that out there over the next few weeks, you'll notice that kind of, that kind of uptick here, and there's just some small ways that you can help us out, right? All right. This morning, um, I mentioned we're in the second to last week of our series. We're looking at the life of a guy named Luke. Um, As I began to think about the series, Luke was obvious. Luke traveled with Paul. He was a close friend and associate of Paul. Um, And yet, we don't know much about Luke, quite frankly. Luke is only mentioned three times in the entire New Testament. Um, And and, and even those three, we'll look at those three uh, references here in a moment even those three are basically Paul at the end of letters just basically going, yeah, and Luke says hi, right? Like there's, there's really nothing there. It's like, you know, Luke, you know, send greeting or whatever. And so we'll look at those in a moment, but there's not a lot that we actually know about Luke from, um, from the text given to us. Uh, we know, again, he was a close friend of Paul. He traveled with Paul. As you read through Acts, uh, Luke wrote Acts. And so what you'll find is it goes from like, hey, they went over here or they traveled to this place. And then it sort of shifts at times to we. We went here. We traveled here. So we know that Luke was a part of some of those missionary teams that traveled with Paul. And, uh, and he writes from that first person perspective during a lot of those travels. Um, Paul calls him a physician, the physician Luke. So we know that Luke was a medical doctor. Um, which is, you know, I've said this before, but that was probably a really smart addition to Paul's team by Paul, right? Because if you know Paul, he always, you know, just found himself in trouble a lot. Like he, he was beaten up a lot. He was flogged. Uh, he was shipwrecked twice. He, it, I mean, Paul could use a medical doctor on the team, right? Like he, uh, Luke probably gave him a lot of stitches. I don't know. Like Luke, Luke was a good addition to the ministry team there. He was a medical doctor, probably Paul's like personal physician as they traveled Again, he wrote wrote Acts. He also wrote, of course, the gospel that bears his name, um, the gospel of Luke. Um, And what's interesting is, you know, Paul technically wrote more books of the Bible. Paul wrote um, 13 or 14 books of the New Testament. There's a little bit of debate about Hebrews, whether Paul wrote Hebrews or somebody else wrote Hebrews. But either way, Paul wrote more books or more letters of the New Testament, but by volume, Luke actually wrote more of the New Testament than Paul did. Um, Luke wrote two of the larger books of the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke and Acts. So interesting, um, Luke actually wrote most of the, most of the New Testament. Um, we also know that he, um, he was the only Gentile author of Scripture that we know of. Um, so again, and we'll talk about the significance of that um, in just a little bit, but um, he wrote from a little different perspective than, than some of the other authors wrote. Um, As kind of an outsider, if you will. And really, we owe a lot of what we know about the early days of Christianity to Luke. Um, Acts covers the first three decades of of Christianity, the the, the birth of the church, the, the spread of this movement. And without Luke's writing, Acts, we really wouldn't have a lot of information about the early church and how Christianity began to take root. It was really Luke that lets us in on all of that um, in, the book, in the book of Acts. And so, we, again, we owe, we owe a lot to Luke. Um, Luke was very highly educated as a physician and also a historian. Uh, he was intellectual. He paid attention to detail. You're going to see that in, in some of his writing that he pays attention to, to detail uh, to a great degree. His, his gospel is by far the most literary of the four gospels. He was probably um, a man of some means um, as a doctor, and he, he apparently was able to kind of leave everything and travel with Paul, so he probably had some wealth. And again, um, his, his gospel account is unique. There are at least 40 episodes or events in Luke that are not covered in the other gospels. Um, the biggest example and where we see this is even in the birth, the birth narrative of Jesus. So what we know is the Christmas story. Every year we have Advent, we talk about the birth of Christ, uh, the, the manger and, and Mary and Joseph, and then the, the shepherds out in the field. And all the detail that we really know about the birth narrative comes from Luke. Uh, the other Gospels don't cover, don't cover much of that. And so you just see a guy in Luke that, that really paid attention to detail. Um, that was really important to him as he, as he wrote and uh, he covers some things the other Gospels don't. And then finally, um, Luke addresses both his, his Gospel and the book of Acts. They're addressed to a guy named Theophilus. And we really don't know much about Theophilus. Um, he addresses them to most excellent Theophilus. And so, most likely, it is a, a Roman official of some sort. Um, most scholars believe that either Theophilus was a, a new believer, he had just begun to place his faith in Christ, and uh, he sort of tasked Luke with writing this account of the life of Jesus um, to help him grow in his own personal faith. Um, and, and some scholars believe that maybe Theophilus was not a believer, but he was a bit of a skeptic. He had heard some things about Jesus. He had heard his followers think he rose from the grave and that he performed miracles. But Theophilus didn't really know. And so Luke writes to um, help Theophilus um, learn some things about Jesus. And so he, he does the homework, does the research. And he, um, he presents this to, to Theophilus. And so it's very clear, though, even though it's addressed to Theophilus, the intent was that Luke and Acts um, are, a, are a two-volume set, right? Um, uh, Luke is the, is the prequel, Acts is the sequel, and they are meant to be read to larger audiences even after Theophilus, all right? And so what I want to do this morning, after just giving you some information there about Luke, is I want to just quickly look at the three places in the New Testament where we find Luke's name mentioned. And then I want to just look at the beginning of, of both of his books, um, just the first several verses of, of Luke and the first several verses of Acts. Because here's what I, I think, even though we don't know a lot about Luke, I think Luke has a lot to tell us, Luke has a lot to teach us. And there are some things in writing these books that Luke really wants his, uh, his hearers, his readers to know. And, uh, and so I want to I share that with you this morning. Colossians chapter 4, verse 14 is the first place that we see Luke's name mentioned. Paul is writing at the end of his letter to the church in Colossae, in Colossians four, verse 14. This is all it says. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. That's it, like not much there, right? Luke, Dr. Luke says hi. That is all it says, right? Um, A little bit to the right, we see Luke's name mentioned again at the end of 2 Timothy. Paul's wrapping up his letter to his dear friend Timothy. We looked at him earlier this summer. And uh, in in 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 9, he's wrapping up and he says, "'Do your best to come to me soon. "'For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. "'Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, Luke alone is with me. "'Get Mark, bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry.'" We looked at that verse weeks back when we talked about Mark, but Luke is mentioned there in passing as well. He's basically like, look, some guys that were working with me have gone other places. Luke is still here. Luke is still with me. And then one other place Luke is mentioned is over in the really small New Testament book of Philemon. In Philemon verses 23 and 24, again, Paul's wrapping up a letter and he just says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus sends you greetings and so do Mark. Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. That's it. Just a list of some names that we're working with Paul. So, literally, the only times Luke is mentioned are at the end of some letters, and his name is mentioned along with some others. That is is it. And so, everything that we really um, know about him comes from either some, some stuff through history or as we read through the two books that he wrote. The two books that he wrote. And so, Flip over with me if you want to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Uh, we'll throw these uh, up here on the screen as well. In Luke chapter 1, this is the way Dr. Luke begins the Gospel that, that he wrote. He says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Um, again, so Theophilus had heard some things, been taught some things about Jesus, and Luke is writing to give him more clarity, give him more certainty about those things that he has heard, okay? And then over in Acts chapter one, uh, the the sequel acts chapter one this is the way luke begins the book of acts i'll read the first eight verses he says in the first book o theophilus i have dealt with all that jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the holy spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of god You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Luke writes two of the larger books of the New Testament, and that's kind of the beginning of his writings in both those books. As I thought about the message this week and what can we say about Luke, I just kind of kept coming back to what is it that Luke really wants us to know? Why did he write these two books? Like, what are the big ideas? What are the big things that Luke really wants us to know? Because the thing is, you can, again, you can learn a lot about somebody by reading their works, by reading their writings. Some of you may have favorite authors or or those that you like to listen to, and you may not have ever met those people, but you can learn a lot about them by simply reading what they wrote. I think there are some things that Dr. Luke really wants us to know and to hold on to. The same things he was writing to Theophilus about. All right, and so as I look through Luke and I look through Acts, I've kind of boiled it down into four things. I obviously could have had a list of about 12, but they only give me about 30 minutes to preach, so tried to boil it down to four um, that I think Luke really wants to make sure we hold on to and we remember, all right? The first thing I think Luke really wants his readers to know clearly and hold on to and understand is that the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus are, in fact, real. They're real. This is not myth, it is not legend, it is not folklore, it is not conspiracy theory, it is, it is not fairy tale. Um, it, is, it is indeed actual historical events. Luke, as a trained physician and historian, would have done the homework. He's done a lot of homework. He would have interviewed, and before writing the Gospel of Luke, he would have interviewed countless people um, in order to put this Gospel together. He would have interviewed the apostles that were still living Sit down with them and go, hey, tell me about Jesus. Tell me about when you walked with Jesus, when Jesus did miracles. I want to hear the stories. He would have interviewed people healed by Jesus. He would have interviewed people that heard Jesus teach. Hey, um, tell me about his teaching. What did he say? Think about it. He would have interviewed for the birth narrative, he would have sat down and interviewed Mary, the mother of Jesus, who by this time was probably a really old lady, and he would have sat down and said, tell me about how all these things happened. And she would have said, here's Man, Joseph and I, we had to go to Bethlehem and it was a really uncomfortable journey and then we got there and there was no place. Like Mary would have told Luke all of this stuff so that Luke can then write it all down for, for us. Luke was a careful researcher, paid careful attention to detail. And so um, the first thing I think Luke really wants Theophilus to know and to understand, and then by extension you and me, is that all this stuff we hear about Jesus, about who Jesus said he was, about the person, the work, the miracles, the calling of the disciples, the betrayal, the crucifixion, and yes, the resurrection are indeed actual historical events. He's done the homework. he's He's done the research, right? And I've always thought that he would have been uniquely qualified um, to talk about some of the elements of the life of Jesus. As a doctor, as a medical doctor, he would have been able to talk like the virgin birth, and he would have been able to talk through the sufferings, the crucifixion. You know, we, we talk at Easter how some people that don't want to believe Jesus rose from the grave, there's a lot of theories out there about what really happened. And so one of the big ones was a uh, swoon theory where people would say he didn't really die on the cross. Well, you have Dr. Luke talking about crucifixion, going, no he actually died on the cross, right? Um, Resurrection. Um, Again, Luke would have been uniquely uh, qualified to understand the facts of the situation. And so Luke wants his readers to know and understand that the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus are in fact 100% real. It's not fairy tale. It's not folklore. It's not made up. It's not conspiracy theory. He's done the work. He's done the research. Highly intellectual, well thought through. Jesus is real. And, And so... But the lesson for you and me is this, like, at some point in our lives, every one of us are going to have to answer the question, who is Jesus to me? Who is Jesus to me? And a lot of people believe a lot of stuff about Jesus. You really can't deny the fact that he was an actual historical person that walked on, the, on, on earth. Um, that's really not a debate. But you have to answer the question more specifically. Who is he to me? Some people would say, oh, he was this good teacher. He did some cool stuff. He was a prophet. He was a, you know, whatever. Or was he really who he said he was? Was he the Messiah? Was he the savior who went to a cross, died on a cross in your place for your sin and then rose from the grave? Luke wants you to know that Jesus, his life, death and his resurrection were indeed real historical fact. And he did the homework and the research necessary to prove that. The second thing Luke wants us to know is that the love and the forgiveness of Jesus are for all people. They're for all people. I mentioned that Luke, as far as we know, was the only Gentile author of Scripture. So Gentiles were outsiders, okay? They were outsiders. Luke was a Gentile author, which means he didn't have some, like, um, you know, ulterior motive to prove the Jewish Messiah was the real Satan. Like, he's an outsider, and he writes his gospel to outsiders. I love the fact that like, Luke's gospel was specifically written to those that don't feel like they're in the right group, okay? Luke's gospel includes more of Jesus' interactions with outsiders, outcasts, tax collectors, sinners, um, sick and, 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 and lame, uh, women and children. Like Luke's gospel shows um, more interactions with people that society would have, would have considered outsiders than any other gospel and what luke wants you to know is that jesus his love and his forgiveness at the cross is for everyone it's for everyone it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter the skeletons in your closet the the baggage it doesn't matter what deep dark secret sins are in your head it, none of that luke would say jesus loves you jesus can forgive you it, it is available to you and i know there are people Just, I talk to people all the time that are like, I don't know if people really knew what I did or who I was. Luke would say, It doesn't matter. His grace, his forgiveness is sufficient for you. That's what Luke would say. It's for all people, it's not for some select group, it's not for some nationality, it's for everyone. It's for everyone. I love that about Luke's gospel shows all these interactions, Jesus' love and affinity for the broken and the hurting and the sinner and the tax collector and those that feel far from God, Luke was writing to them to go, he still loves you and he forgives you. So, man, the lesson for us is, listen, I I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what's going on in your heart and in your life. I don't know if you feel really close to God or you feel really far from God, I don't know if you feel like I've got some sin that nobody knows about, that I'm not even sure Jesus can forgive me. I want you to hear Dr. Luke this morning say, he loves you, he died for you, and his forgiveness is available to you. The third thing that I think Luke really wants his audience to know, um, I think as we flip over to Acts, he really wants the followers of Jesus to know that he has given us a very clear mission. Luke wants us to know that Jesus has given his followers a very clear mission. The language that he uses in the text in Acts is be my witnesses. And so I love this idea that like those of us that follow Jesus, we don't have to sort of sit around and like twiddle our thumbs and wonder what it is God wants us to do. Austin did a sermon not long ago about um, God's will for your life, and a lot of people get really stressed out and unnecessarily anxious about discovering God's will. Um, And and listen, the the Bible's pretty clear about what God wants us to be doing. It's not something we have to go out and search for and discover. Like, whatever you do for a living and wherever God takes you, this part is clear. Jesus, if you're a follower of his, he wants you to be a witness for him. That's it. Jesus wants you, as long as you have a heartbeat in your chest and breath in your lungs, he wants you to be a witness for him. He wants you to tell other people about him. That's the role. That's the mission. That's the job description, right? We don't got to sit around and go, I wonder what God wants me to do with my life. You you don't have to wonder that. Like, it's right there. If you're a follower of Jesus, Luke wants you to know you got a mission. We've got a mission. Man, let's, wherever life takes you, let's be about this. Let's be about this. Let's share the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy of Christ with other people, right? And we talk about that all the time, but Luke wants us to know that. In light of the gospel of Luke and all that Jesus did, now what? Well, he says, be my witnesses. And Jerusalem, starts where God's placed you, temple, Belton, Slato, wherever it is that you live. And then from there, again, God may open doors and provide opportunities for you to go other places to share the love of Christ. Luke wants us to know that he has given us a very clear mission. And then finally, um, this part is also both in Luke and Acts. Luke wants us to know that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers the followers of Jesus for the mission. So the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna talk about the Holy Spirit for a minute. All you Baptists, don't get real nervous. Don't, like, don't get your, 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 your eye twitch and stuff. We start talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, it's okay, right? Part of, the, part of the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I grew up in a church where we didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, right? It made us nervous to talk about the Holy Spirit. So we talked about God the Father and God the Son, and we were like, yeah, and there's also the Spirit. We'll talk, we don't talk about him a whole lot, right? No, the Holy Spirit is a really important part of, of the life of a Christian, okay? And Luke wants you to know that. Dr. Luke mentions the Holy Spirit in his gospel more than all of the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John combined. He mentions the Holy Spirit. Um, in addition, the book of Acts mentions the Holy Spirit over 50 times. Um, I, I read this week um, that like, some, some believe that if you kind of break down the Bible, uh, we talk about the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that essentially the Old Testament is primarily about the Father, the Son and the Spirit are mentioned. The Son and the Spirit are very much present. They're very much there, but it's a lot about the works of God the Father. Then you get into the Gospels. The Gospels are primarily about the Son, the works, the person and work of Jesus, the Son. The Father and the Spirit are there. They are mentioned, but it is primarily about the work of Jesus. Then you get into Acts and Acts is primarily about the Holy Spirit. The Father and Son are present. They are mentioned, um, but it's primarily about the Holy Spirit. And so all together you have, again, the, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're all, um, uh, they're all super important. Um, and, and in particular, Luke wants you to know that the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers you to live the life and, and to accomplish the mission that God has given us. I've said this before, but you and I are not strong enough and we are not powerful enough to live out and be um, everything that, that, that Jesus asks us to be. Like, you can try to be the most disciplined person on the planet and just be really motivated. And, but for us to do all that we're told to do, for us to walk in obedience to the commands of God, for us to love difficult people and forgive difficult people, even our enemies, for us to love and to serve uh, people around us regularly, listen, we, we, aren't, we don't have the power within us just to do that our whole lives, right? If you've lived more than 10 minutes, you know that, right? Like, some of you have tried really, really hard, and you're just like, I don't feel like I can do it. You can't do it on your own. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. He's going to say, look, the believer, those that place their faith in Jesus, we're given this gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we are to live Spirit-filled, Spirit-led lives just like Jesus, just like Jesus, so over in Luke's gospel, Luke talks about spirit-filled, spirit-filled, uh, spirit-led life of Jesus. In fact, over and over and over again, he mentions the Holy Spirit. He's going to say that Jesus, first of all, was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's going to say that um, at his baptism, you remember the story at his baptism, the Holy Spirit descends on him at the beginning of his of his ministry there. Um, Luke tells us Jesus was filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit. He taught by the power of the Holy Spirit. He healed others by the power of the Holy Spirit. He loved by the power of the Holy Spirit, prayed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and was raised from death to life by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And then it says that the same power that was within Jesus to lead him and fill him is with inside of us. Isn't that awesome? Like you and I, we're not asked to live this mission out on our own. We're not left to our own devices. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit of God at work inside of us, helping us live the life God calls us to live. Luke wants you to know that. Luke wants you to know that we get the power with which we do everything from the Holy Spirit of God. And so he mentions the Holy Spirit over and over and over and over and over again. I I enjoy reading about different characters and I got real nervous when I, when I came across Luke because I was like, yeah, we're gonna talk about Luke. And then I realized there's really just not much there about Luke. I'm like, how am I gonna get a 30-minute sermon out of three verses? Um, and then I was just reminded of the fact that Luke actually has a lot to tell us. He has a lot to teach us. And I think Luke wants Theophilus, and by extension, you and me, to know that Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection are in fact real historical events. And you can trust it. He's done the homework. He's done the research. He's put in the detail. You can trust it. He wants us to know that the love and forgiveness of Jesus, no matter where you're at this morning, the love and forgiveness of Jesus extended at the cross are for you, for all people. He wants the church, he wants us to know that we have a clear mission. We have a clear mission um, uh, to, to live out, to be witnesses for Christ. Wherever this life takes you, be a witness for Jesus. And finally, remember that we have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, indwelling us, Live by the power of the Spirit to do what God's called us to do. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we're so grateful today for the life of this man named Luke. We're grateful for this this work that he put into writing two of the larger books in the New Testament so that we would know more about Jesus, we would know more about the church, we would know more about the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we just um, are grateful to be recipients of these works. So, Father, I pray today that Luke's life and Luke's message would be encouraging to us as followers of Jesus. First of all, God, there may be some here in this room who just feel very far from you today. And I pray that that Luke's writings would simply remind them that, that you are for them, that you love them, that you died for them. That you today, through Luke, might remind some people of your realness today. Lord, I pray for those that that may be walking with you, that maybe Luke could just remind us that, that, you know, we have a clear mission. We have a clear purpose. We have a job that you've given us to do. And you've put us and placed us where we are for a reason and a purpose. And so I pray we would remember to live out that calling, to be witnesses for you wherever we are. And that, God, we'd remember that you give us the Holy Spirit. You give us this power inside of us to do that. So help us, Father, to live spirit filled, spirit led lives the way Jesus did. As so we ask for this today in Jesus' name, amen.